0: Hi listeners, so we've been talking for about 10 minutes and uh, I noticed that I had not fully hit record on the Tascam recorder, so this is our cold open. Welcome.
1: Welcome. We're going to talk about our favorite non-superhero comic books when we realize that we all have the same one. Uh-huh. So we're just going to gush about Sandman for a few minutes. <laughs> so Sheridan, do you want to tell us <laughs> again? <laughs> again what you love about <laughs> Sandman?
2: Yeah. Uh, So I talked about this a little bit, I think, in our first episode, but Sandman was the first graphic novel or comic book I had read. And I really picked it up because I had just read everything else Neil Gaiman had done up until that point. And I wanted more Neil Gaiman. So I was like, well, I guess now I'm reading comic books. And so I uh, walked (laughs) into my local comic book shop and felt completely overwhelmed and bought several issues of Sandman or several of the trades yeah nice. um but i loved it uh which i wasn't sure that i would but i really enjoyed it the one that always stands out to me uh is seasons of mist which was the fourth one uh and just i think some of neil gaiman's best writing um it's yeah. really compelling as someone who also has two degrees in religion. Um, I enjoy the kind of myth telling that Neil Gaiman does, uh, especially in that trade. And so um, I just really loved it. Uh, And I, because I hadn't really read comic books before, I think I wasn't really sure kind of what to expect. And wound up being really enamored by the way that the art tells the story Uh in the books as well. Um, They're really beautiful, in fact, I remember when I was reading Seasons of Mist, having a dream one night after I had been reading before bed that I was reading it and I like fell into it and then was sort of watching it play out around me, um, almost kind of like TV or live theater, I guess, maybe is yeah. more
1: that's awesome
2: appropriate. Um, but I think that happened because it was such an v- intensely visual medium Uh, but also a medium that requires your own imagination, right? So it's like a combination of uh, maybe watching something on a screen, but then also reading it. And so it kind of taps into like your own imagination of how things are playing out, but then it's also really vivid and visual in front of you as well.
1: Yeah. That, that makes me think of, I think this was from understanding comics, which was like, it's kind of like a breakdown of like how to make comics and what they do and how they work. But he talks about how like the magic of comic books happens between the panels. Uh Right. Yeah. Because like you just have these static images. Right. And the reader has to like piece together and create their own thing that happens between it's yeah. it's great. Yeah. So.
2: Well, and I think in one of the Sandman trades, Maybe more than one. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read them. Uh, Neil Gaiman kind of did a, like, provided an example of what it looks like when he's writing yes. a comic. And yeah. I remember thinking that was script. so fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah, because I had no idea, like, how that worked. And so getting to see it was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. The,
1: one, the one that I really remember was in, I think it's the third trade paperback, but it's the story where a guy captures a muse, mm-hmm. Calliope. And it's the mm-hmm. script for that. Yeah, and like, yeah,
2: that's so, probably the one I was thinking of.
0: So I've written three comic books. Obviously, they've not been published because I can't find an artist willing to work with me. Um, but I've written three comic books, and I use those scripts um, as like the starting point on how to do it. Yeah. And every I've sent it to three artists, and they've all just been too busy to basically do it, or they wanted way, 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 way too much money. Um, but all of them have said, "I asked specifically, like, do the directions make sense?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, this is like how professional people do it." I'm like yeah. I muzzled off the right person then. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my method. I just stole it.
1: Because okay. there are definitely different methods. I think well, and I I probably cribbed this from one of those too. But like mm-hmm. his is like full script. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I thought that's how
0: it was all done. <laughs> Whoops.
1: Well, so the Marvel way, infamously, uh-huh. is basically was just Stanley going to an artist and being like, "Hey, we got the this issue with this this guy named Spider Man. So he has the powers of a spider." <laughs> and he's going to fight this guy named the Vulture in this issue. So that's what you do. And, and then the artist would go off and draw the uh-huh. whole issue based on that. And Stanley would come back in and like and fill like in the dialogue.
0: Put and the story in? Yeah. Wow. wow. That sounds insane. That's, you guys have never heard of that? That's the Marvel no. way. Stanley is, that's, I mean, it's definitely not the way anymore. But like, no. Stanley was just like a wild card, man.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's honestly a crazy way to do it,
0: but <laughs> they made it work. So,
1: and then I, you have like levels in between there, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, they made it work, but it also makes some of those like golden age comics make more sense when you realize that that's how it happened. Exactly. Yeah. So. so what about you, Seth? What's your kind of favorite?
1: Yeah. So I would say Sandman? my favorite, you know, collection of the Sandman, There are like 10 is, um, brief lives, which is the seventh one. So that's where Dream and Delirium go on a road trip to find their lost brother, Destruction. And it's just, it's just great. Like, it's a great fun road trip. Dream is being like mopey and all up in his feelings the whole time. Like always. While Delirium is being like delightfully weird, as she always is.
2: Right. I mean, it's kind of a, a classic, like, odd couple situation right
1: yeah it definitely is um <laughs> and then just kind of like the story of it i really like kind of the you know one of the kind of like refrains themes of it is like it starts with death going and collecting people and they're like this is all i got that's all i got out of life and she's like you got what everyone gets you get a life get, like yes like no matter how long it is like that's what you get you uh-huh. have a life and so, that's just always really resonated with me, and it also ends on like a really—I don't want to get on it because it's like a pretty major spoiler for the series, but like a very emotional
0: uh-huh. point. Yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: So, yeah, that's that's my favorite, nice. and then yeah.
0: I don't have I don't have a favorite. I've read I, I've never not just read them all back to back to back. And they, I don't, I forget which is what, what goes right, where, how to separate them. Mm-hmm. Cause I've just, I th- I've read it two or three times, at least two times fully through. And then maybe, yeah. maybe a third time, like halfway through, but I've, each time I've taken like a stack with me on vacation and just, just like, through. yeah, gone through. And so I don't, I, I genuinely don't like earlier what. Before I screwed up the recording, like I mentioned, Fiddler's Green, thinking it was way farther in than it actually was. Yeah, and it's in like the second. Yeah, trade. so I don't. It's all it's all jumbled up. I thought the road trip one was way earlier on, so That's like funny. it's all it's all a jumble. But like my favorite moments are. Yeah,
1: give rent. give a favorite moment or a favorite like, character, minor character. Minor character. Oh my goodness.
0: I mean, I base by minor, so, I mean just not
1: like one of the seven endless.
0: Well, oh, well, okay. So I really like. That Neil Gaiman was just a big fan of John Constantine, and was yeah. like,
1: so he just like puts him in, just right? put him
0: in there, and asked for permission yeah. later on. I think I'm pretty sure, didn't he?
1: No, I mean it's it's a DC one.
0: Was it because so... it was Dark Horse at the time and that hadn't been purchased yet when when he started Sandman? I could be I wrong know. about that. I could be wrong. So you're...
1: I thought it was just part of it because that's also fair. Oh wait, her- no,
0: no. I'm sorry. Constantine was Dark Horse too at the time. That's right. Constantine this, was Dark Horse, and then eventually when DC this was f-
1: Vertigo, because Martian Manhunter is in like, the first one.
0: Yes, Martian Manhunter. Constantine, um, Doctor D, uh, those are all. Batman all. shows up at some Batman. point too, right? <laughs> Wait, Batman does? Yeah, later on, right? I might be thinking. No, Doctor, yeah. no, no, no. Okay, so Doctor D is a Batman villain, and Doctor D is in number two or okay. number, volume two or volume He's one. He's
1: in the first volume.
0: Okay, Doctor D is a Batman villain, and he definitely mentions Batman and Gotham multiple times. But I don't think Dr. maybe D, that's what I was thinking. I don't think Batman's actually, like I said. It's you know, been a while
2: since I've read. I didn't think he like. I right. didn't remember him like having a speaking role, but I was like, "There's something
1: about Batman,
2: like he's yeah, like it's it's Doctor Doctor D referencing
0: like. him." Okay, um, but man, now I gotta, now I'm gonna have to go back and look because well,
1: yeah. So it, I think it early on it was technically it was supposed to be it was Vertigo but it was supposed to be part of the DC universe. Okay, and then they just kind of like they never like said that wasn't the case, but they just kind of slowly moved away from it and just did their own thing.
0: Gotcha. Well, I just know Constantine originally was was not a part of DC and then DC bought Vertigo oh, at okay. some point. Um and so I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was cool just cuz you know, it's a British magician and Neil Gaiman was like, "Ooh, throwing that in there."
1: Yeah, he loves Constantine, I think.
0: I do too. Favorite superhero probably. Um maybe top 5. And then what else? There's Oh, I like all the Norse stuff, like just seeing all the like Neil's version of North mis- Norse mythology yeah and there's a couple of like classic stories that are retold in there a little bit and you can see that Neil's just always really been a big fan
1: yeah yep.
0: there's more to it that I really like but I'll talk about that later
1: I I will throw in real quick that my favorite minor character that I was hoping you would name is Merv Pumpkinhead Merv is just, <laughs> he's
0: great I forgot about Merv Pumpkinhead like I said, it's been it's been a minute since I read it. <clears throat> I read it a couple times, but yeah. I've read a lot of stuff since then.
1: And he, I can't remember if it's for because they're doing both a Netflix adaptation, like a TV show, and they've been doing these audiobooks of them. I can't remember, but one of them cast Kevin Smith as Marv Pumpkinhead. That's I was like perfect. It's
0: <laughs> perfect. So, oh, and I like that this establishes the endless. So I like okay. I'm a big fan of eldritch stuff. Like, I wish H.P. Lovecraft wouldn't have been such a terrible person so I could like his stuff more. But I really like just eldritch things in general. And I like that this kind of takes that idea and then is like, yeah, but they're also people, but not people. Um, Instead of being like, oh, they're these unknowing being, unknown, I'm sorry, unknowable beings that... You know, you can never understand and human minds can't comprehend these endless creatures when really they're just like, ah, they're kind of concepts that are sad. And then death was established as the DC, like the official death for DC comics. And like to this day, anytime death is in DC, it's it's her. She pops up. Um, and she's always like kind of the same. Like it's never, they never make her like a villain or anything. She's just kind of like, hey, I'm here doing a job. What's up? Nice. She's not a fan of Constantine, which is a, a running joke.
1: I didn't know that. But it was smart in DC to do that because she is like one of the most popular yeah. characters for me. Such
0: a great character. Yeah. Do you guys want to say anything else about Sandman or do you want to move on to Let's,
1: task I mean, at hand? We can we can go on Sandman for a long time. So we should probably yeah. just
2: We'll we'll revisit Sandman at some point. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is a promise.
0: I typed in D C characters in Sandman and it gave me basically every character in Sandman because they're all <laughs> DC characters now. <laughs> yeah. that's funny
1: they all count now
0: welcome to amateurs assemble a comic book book club podcast for you whether you're new to comics a regular at your friendly local comic shop or just looking to talk about your favorite heroes i'm josh
1: i'm sheridan and i'm seth and we've assembled to work through some issues together last time we covered issues six through eleven of thor god of thunder by jason aaron this week we're diving into issues one through five of jason aaron's other thor run Uh, this book is titled simply thor but is often referred to as thor goddess of thunder oh comic book numbering how fun and confusing you can be right Uh, each week we'll begin by providing a little background that you might need to know or that would at least enhance your reading so sheridan tell us who the hell is jane foster
2: so I like to joke that comic books are soap operas with superpowers, but Jane Foster's story really does get that way.
1: Not, not uh, a joke, by the way. Let's yeah, no, that's it. just, it's right. just,
0: yeah, soap operas for nerds.
2: <laughs> so Jane first appears in 1962's Journey into Mystery, number 84. She is a nurse hired by Dr. Donald Blake to assist him in his private medical practice. If the name Donald Blake sounds familiar to you, even though you haven't read the comics, that's because it was a little Easter egg in the first Thor movie when it was used as the name for MCU Jane Foster's ex-boyfriend. In the comics, however, Jane Foster's relationship with Donald Blake is pretty reminiscent of the relationship between Lois Lane and Clark Kent because Donald Blake is actually Thor. Odin had decided, as he frequently seems to decide, that Thor needed to learn a lesson about humility, so he took his hammer and sent him to Earth as Donald Blake, a disabled young medical student at Harvard. Thor had no memory of who he was for well over a decade, during which time he graduated medical school, opened a private practice, and became a renowned surgeon, which makes... Odin's plan seem a little strange to me, Uh, because Harvard-educated, renowned surgeons are well known for their humility, right? (laughs) Way to teach him a lesson, Odin. Got him. Uh, In the issue just before Jane's arrival, Donald takes a vacation to Norway, where he is uh captured by aliens held in the cave where thor was born millennia ago and finds a wooden cane that is the enchanted form of mjolnir odin eventually reveals to donald blake who he really is at which point he chooses to stay on earth with this dual identity when jane begins working for him they both wind up being sent to san diablo a fictional south america country torn apart by a communist government and a democratic revolutionary army backed by the United States, not at all inspired by actual events.
1: Of course not. They would never. Yeah, that
0: doesn't sound real at all.
2: (laughs) Right. Uh, While they're there, various shenanigans occur, and Donald Blake is forced to transform into Thor to rescue Jane Foster and others. Jane, of course, is smitten by Thor, much to Donald's annoyance. And he wonders if she would ever love a normal man like him. You know, an Ivy League graduate surgeon, just a average Joe like Donald Blake. Also, he is Thor, guys. Like, I don't know.
0: Did he just forget (laughs) again?
2: I think he remembers, but he like wants her. I don't know. I didn't like read it all. I just sort of read something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, No. you're good. Uh, this leads to an ongoing saga uh, in which Jane is in love with Donald Blake who won't really make a move and also is Thor who wants to tell her everything and marry her but can't because he can't get his daddy's approval to do so it is all complicated Uh, eventually Jane winds up marrying a different doctor altogether, and they have a son. She becomes a doctor herself, working alongside Thor, whose identity she becomes fully aware of. She acts as a consulting physician for Tony Stark, and treats many members of the Secret Avengers during the Civil War run. Later, when she hears rumors that Thor is back from the dead, she uh, divorces her husband and loses custody of her son, because Husbands and sons are a real drag on the plot.
0: (laughs) Just like real life.
2: Uh, She and Thor slash Donald reunite. uh, And eventually she goes with him to Broxton, Oklahoma, the site of the new city of Asgard, where they open a medical practice together.
1: Wait, wait. Thor opens a medical practice?
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: As Donald Blake, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: But then he like quickly stops doing anything with it and jane kind of runs it
2: right
0: like he's it's never really mentioned again after they uh do it
1: also at some point right it it switches to where he doesn't like transform back and forth to donald blake he just kind of like
0: it's it's around the gore saga like slightly before then um it's after the it's really it's after the
1: guys but it's not like
0: yeah it's after the odin sleep it's after the emits of ragnarok but he it just you don't really see donald blake anymore gotcha
2: but for a long time as Donald Blake, sometimes.
0: Well, it was during that period where they thought. Much more than I thought. What's well, during that period? They thought that all superheroes needed an alter ego. And right. They're just like. And has to have a secret identity. This god needs a super a secret a secret identity. Okay. Sure. Right.
2: Also, like just Thor as a surgeon is really funny to
1: me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
2: I think that is quite a secret identity, actually. <laughs>
1: no one could ever guess
0: there is um an issue god it's from it's pre-ragnarok um where i believe it's cap or tony someone gets injured and thor like fights internally with himself like to whether or not to turn into donald so he can help them because he doesn't thor doesn't want to do that but he also doesn't have the medical knowledge as thor which i thought was hilarious
1: Um, And eventually
0: he does change back and like help them. But it was just a weird, like, it's just a weird plot point.
2: Oh, well, speaking of gore, um, while Thor is away fighting him, Jane is diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, She later accepts Thor's invitation to represent Midgard at the Congress of Worlds on Asgard, but she refuses his offer of magical treatments. Uh, And this is enough to know to get you to where you need to be for this story.
0: Issue number one, if he be worthy. This issue opens with a shot of a Roxxon submersible in the Norwegian Sea. Employees of the Villainous Corporation investigate strange energy signals at the bottom of these northern waters. They comment on how there seems to be something moving ahead of them just before the scene cuts away. Something grabbing at the ship. From the command center, other Roxxon researchers hear the screams over the communications channel and release their attack sharks to protect the base. I love comic books. The scientists note that something large is coming out of the cavern below the research station. An enormous blue hand is shown grabbing a cliff face, followed by an image of an enormous blue foot stomping on one of the attack sharks. <laughs> also, through this whole battle, like the physics are just like water doesn't exist. Just so don't don't hey, worry they're about frost that. giants. Yeah, spoiler. Oh no, they're frost giants. Oh man, you, I'm just gonna stop reading now. So ruined it. In the last shot, we see the attackers' faces revealed. Frost giants from Jotunheim have come up from the base of the sea to attack. We cut to the moon. Asgardia, formerly known as Asgard, floats above the surface. Dozens of Asgardians stand off at a distance watch a sad man kneel before a useless hammer. Odin, the Allfather, speaks with Freya. He is annoyed that they have let his son mourn the loss of Mjolnir for several weeks without forcing him to move on. The old god-king berates his son for being unworthy and moping around, but... His admonishments fall on deaf ears. Please, Mjolnir, please move. <laughs> Thor whispers. Before making another attempt at lifting the hammer, his screams and struggling yield no results. The hammer will not move. Freya tells the Allfather that she has spoken with the Captain of America, who had explained to her the events that unfolded in Original Sin leading to the Odin son becoming unworthy. The god king demands that his son tell him what Nick Fury said. What words could lead a god to fall from worthiness? The Odin son remains silent, wiping tears from his face. We learn from the onlookers surrounding the Allfather and Allmother that all the gods in Asgardia have tried to lift the hammer and all have failed. Enraged, the All Father shoves his son out of the way and attempts to lift the hammer himself. In a flash of light and sparks, the Allfather fails as well, throwing magic and curses at the hammer in an attempt to make it move. It would appear the enchantment has grown beyond even the enchanter. Perhaps that is for the best, the All Mother tells her son, a comforting hand on his back. She continues, Worthiness should not be defined by the whims of magic weapons. Rise, my son, and let the hammer be damned rise and remember the hero that you are as she speaks to her son the twin ravens of the all father descend and perch on his shoulders they bring news of the frost giants invading midgard it is here that we see the beginnings of a power struggle in Asgardia. as the all father tells the crowd that this is not their fight and they will stand down only to be challenged by the all-mother who orders them to war telling them that she knew this day would come the invasion of Midgard. Were you say
1: Yeah. So, like, I didn't realize this because I just picked up from here. But I guess Odin had been gone a while. Yeah. At the time of this. And so he has, like, just come back.
0: <laughs> I should have included that. I almost did. But I didn't. I yeah. should have.
1: But so, like, Freya had been ruling as the mm-hmm. All-Mother.
0: He appoints her um, All-Mother and then goes somewhere. I don't remember where. It's yeah, it's stated. But he's gone for, I somewhere think, a some... year or something like that. Yeah.
1: but And so now there's, like, a lot of friction as yeah. it
0: comes back. She's because the... Odin sucks. Because Odin do... Odin really does suck. Because
2: like... Yeah. like Freya should actually be in charge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As the two struggle over who is in charge of Asgard, the Odin son stands and begins walking away. Thor, where are you going? His mother asks. To the Hall of Weapons. Then home, he replies. Odin screams at Freya that he has returned and that there is no longer a need for an all-mother. He shouts at her that it is time she remember her place in this world. Yes, she says, gazing upon the fallen hammer. Perhaps it is. Back at the bottom of the Norwegian Sea, we see the wreckage of the rocks on Sea Lab. Three scientists huddled together in the only safe area left, unable to do anything but watch as the giants tear apart the remainder of the base. They ponder where these giants could have come from as they wait to die, when a voice tells them that the giants have come from Jotunheim because Roxxon has something they want. The scientists turn to see the dark elf Maleketh appearing magically through the wall. He begins to question the scientists one by one about the location of the item that the giants are after. When the scientists admit they don't know, he kills them individually, assuming they're lying.
1: Or not caring
0: yeah we're not caring he's baliket it's kind of horrible so
1: he's a great villain but he's yeah really really terrible he's
0: just he's all villain he's he's fun
1: yeah that's why he's fun you can't have too much of him
0: but yeah he's just like his his only goal is power and it's not like relatable at all but he's such a blast to watch just be a jerk so yeah
2: Yeah, like he's kind of a paper villain right that's the word there's not a lot of depth to him or anything but but he's fun Mm-hmm.
0: The he's very similar to Loki in the way that like Loki and Thor banter with each other. Um, except that Malekith's way meaner.
1: Yeah. I was going to say he's like Joker and then he's just like mm. cartoonishly cartoonishly vil- villainous. I can't. That was, a, <laughs>
0: that was a hard sentence. Yeah. That's yeah. a hard phrase to say. I get it. Yeah. Weirdly. So the last scientist left alive tells the dark elf that he could find anything the elf desires if left alive. The scientist searches through the Roxxon database and tells the elf that he has found what the company pulled out of the ocean. But before he can tell Malaketh where to find it, the Odin son arrives on a very confused-looking flying goat. That goat looks so confused in that panel. It's like, why are we underwater? And there's more, by the way. There's this is an, another example of how the physics just don't make sense at all. But it is what it is.
2: Do the physics ever make sense in comic books though?
0: No. (laughs) What is that quote from SpongeBob? Whoever wrote this clearly doesn't understand the limitations of being underwater. He wields his legendary axe, he wields his legendary axe yarnbjorn and attacks the giants. Malekith delights in the realization that the rumors of Thor having become unworthy are true. The giants hurl the god through the dome window, drowning the researcher in the process. The god and the elf begin to battle. Malekith taunts the Odin son, remarking on how something seems to have changed about him. The thunder god gains the upper hand and is about to strike the killing blow when a frost giant hand slams him into the ground from above, causing him to drop the axe in the process. With time to recover malekith grabs the axe and exclaims look on the bright side thor without that big heavy mjolnir to lug around all the time you've no need of so many cumbersome arms <laughs> and with a swing he takes the thunder god's arm off his body with his own axe and i just really enjoyed that whole exchange
1: yeah it's pretty great yeah okay. he also i don't mention it specifically but like for the whole next issue, he's is basically just like walking around with Thor's arm around his neck. Like a scarf. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's, it's so good. The Thunder God's body falls into the depths, and Malekith gloats to the frost giants. We have seen the last of Thor. Jumping back to the moon, we see Mjolnir, still resting where it fell. A voice in the darkness speaks. There must always be a Thor. A cloaked figure bends down and places a single hand on the hammer's hilt. Sparks fly and the words, whosoever holds this hammer, if she be worthy, the letter S now appearing before the H of he, shall possess the power of Thor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's good. It's really good. I love it. The final page is a stunning reveal of our new Thor. Mjolnir lifted high above her head, cape billowing with lightning dancing around her great. I really, I want a poster of that. I, I genuinely do. It's such a good spread.
2: Richard Dodderman's art is so good in this. It's gorgeous. And like yeah. so fluid. Like, there's always movement. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's lovely. It's also kind of a, a good change of pace from the previous Thor run, which was also beautiful, but very like um, it was more hyper-realistic and more hard lines. And this is very soft and flowy and just... I don't know. It's just pretty.
2: A friend of mine pointed out that it has kind of a, like, art deco Mm, vibe
1: to it, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I can see that for sure.
0: It feels, um, just for one more thing about the art, it feels a lot um, cleaner. So, like, the last series we did, everything was very sketchy. Like, everything was very, like, penciled in, you know? Um, All the color was done by hand with, I think, color pencils is how he did it. Um, and this is all very like inked and very, um, like bright and flashy and smooth. So I don't yeah. know. I just, I love the difference. Yeah.
1: Smooth is a good word
0: for it. Mm-hmm. For I like it both. Both styles are great, but this is just, it's very comic-y. Yeah. In the best way. In the best way. So
1: we open issue two, right where we left off in issue one with our new goddess of thunder on the moon, hefting Mjolnir as lightning crackles around her. We get a little interplay here between her thoughts and her speech. I don't know why she's speaking aloud or who she's talking to, but you know it shows, this, shows off here that her thoughts are in kind of like a standard English, while her spoken words are in the formal style of Asgard, how you would normally think of Thor talking. She thinks about flying, remembers how she's seen Thor do it, and takes off Earth with a grin on her face after she's spun around and flung, <laughs> held on. Uh, she's unsure how to steer, but the hammer takes her exactly where she needs to be, uh, at the mouth of an opening to kind of a cave thing the Frost Giants have built. It's like a tower. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's in the middle of the frozen ocean, and there's an entrance at the bottom into a tower that just goes up. As she enters, our goddess of thunder finds a whole army of Asgardians frozen, as well as the Avengers is w- frozen. That's, that's really quite a panel. You got cap with his shield frozen mm-hmm. Spider-Man a bunch of other earth's mightiest heroes. And they're just like taken out like nothing. Yeah. She really starts to second guess her worthiness here to take on such a fight. Uh, but it's too late to think because she's encountered her first two frost giants. They decide to split her in half so that they can both, have a bite <laughs> but she lifts me in time and it stops the blade and then there are 2 huge i guess they're ice dogs i don't know what these are technically called here but they're like giant ice dog creature things but they show up and want to taste as well uh but the goddess thor puts me to work and zips a crazy line all through them and then they crumble as four more giants approach she calls down thunder on all of them and announces herself as goddess of thunder, uh, much to her own surprise, actually. She, like, says it out loud, and then she's like, wait, is that me? I guess that's <laughs> me. That's
0: great. Yeah, I like how she's constantly surprised by, like, her own yeah. words. It's almost like she's two different people, I guess, like, in a way. A little bit.
1: Yeah, it definitely is reminiscent of the, right, like the Donald Blake-Thor mm-hmm. split, where it was more, much more of a split.
0: Mm-hmm. This is more of like a merged, like two consciousness sharing a body, but like working in symmetry.
1: Exactly. Working together. It is interesting. So we get a really fun, interesting, like tall panel that goes the length of the page. It's not like a splash. So it's not the whole page, but like the left quarter of the panel that shows this giant tower that the Frost Giants have built. And what's at top of it? They're holding in place Roxon Island floating headquarters of roxon energy corp which i think comes back harkens back to we had them in captain america right yeah i mean they've been they around, were one of the ones yeah, but they've been yeah. around forever
0: they yeah they've been around since the 60s they're just kind of the the staple bad company
1: staple evil company well when, here it's not
0: oscorp yeah
1: here they're extra evil where we meet their ceo dario agar described as roxon ceo and world's wealthiest psychopath <laughs> Um, he clearly shows his psychopathy here by setting all of the lethal defenses off on the first five floors, regardless of the fact that some of his employees are still there. Well, they were employees until he's like, not anymore, they're fired. Yeah. And, you know, this if this had been written during the pandemic, it might be a little bit too on the nose.
0: Yeah.
1: Wealthy CEOs just setting employees on fire.
0: Well, Well, you, you moved too fast. I was going to say, you said world's wealthiest psychopath. I was going to say... So just a normal billionaire then. Right. But you exactly. just kept going, so I couldn't get to it. Sorry. Right. No, it's but okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. He probably has some challenge to that title. Anyways, despite having set off all the defenses, it doesn't matter at all as a Frost Giant's head breaks through right in the corridor where they are. Frost Giant is beaten back by Ulick the Troll, which is Dario's bodyguard.
0: Ulick is also in the run that we didn't cover um, when they battle Malekith. I think. No, same troll. I thought it was Ood. Was it? I could be wrong. I'm sorry. I
1: literally just read that this week. My bad. I thought it was the same troll. It might be the same. It honestly looks the same. They're wearing
0: the same outfit.
1: Yeah. They look the same. Maybe it's just all trolls look the same.
0: Oh, wow. I'm racist.
1: Wow. (laughs) Only against trolls. (laughs) Species? I'm going
0: to
2: look it up. Oh, I'm just like having flashbacks to our D&D game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Those aren't recorded listeners. Sorry.
1: Regardless, as Olic the Troll is defending him, uh, Dario kind of figures out that they're here for the frost giant skull that Roxon had recently unearthed. Malakith, king of the dark elves, now appears, setting off alarms due to really letting him know that there is really an alliance between the dark elves and the frost giants. As they're kind of talking it out, getting ready to battle... Uh, Dario Agar just slips away. <laughs> he's like, oh, see ya. I'm gonna peace out. And gets on his express elevator to the vault. Uh, as he reaches the entryway to the vault, which is kind of like a circular room with doors on all sides, which will, it kind of just plays out into how the scene works. I feel like it's him. You kind of have to see it. Anyways. But as he's getting out of the elevator, we see that he is secretly a minotaur. Weirdly, what?
0: It just made me, it made me laugh the first time, and it it still makes me laugh. That he's a minotaur. He's just a minotaur. It's just like, hey, it's just very comic booky because you're just like, I'm sure there's a story there, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> so okay, let's go.
2: Well, and this comes up in my issue, and I didn't really bring it up, but like part of it is like maybe he isn't like. It's not like he was born a minotaur, right? Like yeah, yeah. He's sort of a collector, right? Like he's been collecting all these items of power and the, like the minotaurs power is kind of also something he has collected for himself is the so, vibe i
1: got
0: yeah definitely definitely yeah so it might have been i've read a
1: lot of thor this week so i don't remember if it's in the issue we're covering or not but it does give his backstory like so that might be in one that we didn't read
0: i think that's in oh that's in the malekith yeah. run right
1: maybe no no well, No. no the, one that, the one after that the one i think that. it's in this it's in who Holds the Hammer, which is, like, the last is three issues of this. Okay. But anyways, his backstory is that, like, he grew up rich. His family was at, like, some kind of private retreat island. Were attacked by pirates? Question mark? Of course. Some kind of, like, terrorists who attacked and killed his whole family. He escaped and, like, crawled to a cave and just, like, prayed to a minotaur for That's right. like night. you Like you do. Like you do. Like you know. You do. And so then he got the powers of a minotaur.
2: That's right. It's been a really long time since I've read
0: that trade. It's okay. very awesome. weird. Also, I looked it up. You were right. Ood is the troll in, in his adventuring party, and Ulic is. I'm just. They look exactly the same. They do though. look literally the exactly same. I mean, like, same. same outfit, same axe, same beard. Yeah. I guess just. I don't know. Mm, sorry.
1: That's no, all good. Um, so, where were we? Okay secret minotaur Dario Augur rocks on CEO an occasional minotaur <laughs> which is that's what it says in the book yeah. it's, it's great so he gets to the entryway of his vault there are at least four frost giants there just hanging out and right at the same time the goddess of thunder arrives in the vault uh, the frost giants mock her <clears throat> you know say she's a pale imitation of Thor until she sends Mjolnir pinging through the room, hitting each of them multiple times as it careens around. Tell me, how much did it hurt you whenever Thor would punch you? More or less than this, she asks the giant <laughs> as she pummels it. That's <laughs> so good. That's so good. Also, the art here is like, it's really fun and kinetic, the way that like Mjolnir like, pings around the room and yeah. doing that.
0: Like yeah. a pinball machine.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, during this fight... Dario sneaks off into Vault 17, noting that the walls have a vibranium core and adamantium planing. Good old comics. comics. Also, given our deep dive on Cap Shield, I just had to wonder like, how much that door cost.
0: Right. All the money.
1: <laughs> so much money. So yeah. much. So Dario has to shut the door quickly to avoid a frost giant's grasp, but Mjolnir had just slipped through the opening before the doors closed. Our goddess of thunder is now left in the entry. To the vault facing Malekith and at least a half dozen frost giants without the hammer that gave her her powers.
2: We open up the next issue with a flashback to just a few days prior to everything that has just unfolded on the only holiday that is celebrated in Jotunheim, where they mark the coming of the Mother Storm. Skrymir, the guardian of Utgard, is bemoaning the loss of their great king Laufey and the dying ways of the frost giants. Even the mother storm isn't as cold and fierce as it once was, and he worries that the strength of his people is melting away. Malekith reassures him that by bringing Loki into the world, Laufey had the last laugh, but Skrymir tells him only a fool would trust Loki. Then he questions whether he was a fool to trust Malekith, who has made many promises to the Frost Giants but has yet to keep them. The Dark Elf tells him that he has good news. Laufei's long sought after skull has been found by Roxon Corp. There's a funny little moment where Malekith describes Roxon as a guild of miners and tradesmen, uh, like dwarves, Skrymir asks. Yes but worse, humans. <laughs> the Frost Giant says that going to war with Midgard means going to war with Thor, which they are far from ready for. But then Malekith gives him the real news, which is that Thor no longer has his hammer. The Odin's son has lost his thunder. And so the invasion of Midgard begins. In the present at the floating headquarters of Roxan. Thor is facing down frost giants with her hammer trapped on the other side of the vault doors when Malekith strolls in. Thor warns them all to return to their realms so that their children need not grow up fatherless. You certainly do sound like a Thor, Malekith says. Though you appear to have misplaced your hammer, there seems to be quite a lot of that going around. He brags that he killed the previous Thor, who he doesn't know is still alive. The new Thor threatens him again, but hopes that Malekith is only bluffing and worries that perhaps without Mjolnir, she is only bluffing too. Malekith leaves her to the mercy of the giants, one of whom freezes her in a glob of spit and then swallows her.
1: As they do, you know.
2: Right. Comets. But it turns out even without her hammer, Thor was not only bluffing. She crashes her way through the frost giant's skull and then wielding his jawbone as a weapon, she tells the remaining frost giants that their children will be better off without them anyway. Yeah. Come and die now, sons of Jotunheim, she calls as she lays into them. So good. On the other side of the sealed vault door, Malakith enters in a swirl of glowing magic and demands that Dario Agar turn over Laufey's skull before he shows him what else his magic can do. The words are no sooner out of his mouth than he gets a whiff of Agar and smells the magic on the CEO. <laughs> Agar transforms into his minotaur self with a roar and the fight is on. Outside, the frost giants ponder who this Thor might be a Valkyrie sent from hell, a Norn witch. Thor, meanwhile, can feel herself losing power as she remains apart from the hammer. She asks herself what Odin's son would do in a situation like this bellow and bluster and rage until they cut off his arms, she thinks, which is more accurate than she knows. Yeah. <laughs> and then kick the hell out of them. She mocks the giants again, then smashes a hole through to the sky below. The giants drop through it, but one manages to cling to the side and pull himself back up while her back is turned. Thor desperately tries to pry the vault doors apart with her bare hands as she begins to shift out of her Thor form. With a loud cry, she opens the door enough for Mjolnir to escape, plowing through the head of the last frost giant before sailing back into her hand. Hammer in hand, she crashes through the vault door and smashes Laufey's skull to pieces. Malaketh tells her that she has just doomed her realm to war. Suddenly, a new voice calls out. "Ay, she's a war before her, but not against the likes of you, Elf. On the next page, we see who has spoken. Odin's son stands in the doorway, the hand of his metal arm clenched in a fist, and his enormous axe held in the other. Unhand my hammer, woman, he says, or know the wrath of Thor.
0: Issue number four Thor versus Thor. We open with a shot of Asgardia, a panel informing us that this scene takes place hours ago. The Odin son wakes up and shouts at the onlookers, Where the hell is my arm? spelled H E L his left arm ending in a bandage at the mid-bicep. The Allfather tells his son that his arm is likely in the belly of a whale and that it was his goat that rescued him by dragging him back from the bottom of the sea and returning him to Asgardia to be healed. So the confused goat uh, was a good thing to bring. It it worked out. Yeah.
1: The goat has a name. I'm trying to remember the name. It's like something Nasher.
0: Teeth Nasher. Might be. I, I, I don't know. That was a guess. No idea. Anyway, look it up and we can put it in there.
1: It's Here awesome. I love I love that he rides around on a flying
0: goat. It's so good. Wasting no time, the God of Thunder demands his axe be brought back to him and that he will return to the fight. In a semi-problematic moment of generosity, his father tells him that he will not have him fumbling around like a, quote, common cripple.
2: Which is ironic, considering Odin is the one who transformed him into
1: Donald Blake, mm-hmm. who was disabled. Also just shows how terrible
0: Odin is. Yeah, Odin's a bad dad. Don't be like Odin, kids. Yeah. So, but he does give good presents, I guess. So, <laughs> Screwbeard, who we've seen before in the uh, the adventure run from the previous mm-hmm. series that we didn't cover here, uh, walks in and... We find out that the the dwarves have created him an arm at the order of Odin, forged of black uru, which is the same material that uh, Mjolnir is made out of, in the same furnaces that forged Mjolnir, and it took a thousand dwarves to pound it into shape. Uh, the Odin son is given an arm that Screwbeard claims will still be uh, still be after the stars have turned to dust. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's got. I mean, it's not magic, but it's a it's a pretty badass arm, right?
1: It's pretty dope arm, and it kind of is magic because, like, once he connects it up, like, he can use it like That's an true. arm. That's
0: true. It's just like, hmm, whose arm is better though, him or Bucky?
1: This is a difficult question because Bucky's is vibranium, right? Yes.
0: Hmm. What wins in a fight, Uru or vibranium? I don't know. I don't either. So, a fun fact about the arm is that that arm remains um, through um, the new Avengers run, um, the Avengers world run, up until Secret Wars when everything is rebooted. Um, So, he he never gets his arm back. Like, that's a consistent thing from then on. Interesting. uh, Which is pretty cool, I think, personally. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, new arm in hand or on body, however you would say that, the Allfather informs the God of Thunder that his hammer has gone missing, and so has his mother. We cut back to the present at Roxon Island. The Odin son confronts our new Thor and demands his hammer returned to him and an explanation of where his mother has gone. Malekith and Minotaur form Dario ask to leave, basically. They're kind of like, hey, this is Thunder God business, we'll peace out. Uh, and the Odin son starts to lay into them when he is stopped by Núthor. Um I will stop calling her Newthor in just a moment. She places the hammer between them, and we see the tiniest little tap expression word um, as the hammer bumps into Odin son's chest. You dare! <laughs>
1: She, she not only taps him, them. she's like, like, just calm yourself down. Oh, yeah, she's telling him to calm down, too. And he's like, mother, mother pus. Like, I don't want to curse, but you know what I'm going to say. He's, like, so
0: pissed. He's so, it's like, when he says you dare to, it's just literally only his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, he exclaims rage in his eyes. The next panel shows us uh, Thor flying through a wall and into a hall filled with frost giants, Odin's son hot in pursuit. He tells her he's going to have the hammer back, her arm attached to it if need be, and he swings his axe down, just barely missing uh, her arm. They've...
2: i just like to point out that this does not seem like the way to become worthy of the hammer again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> to attack the person that was deemed worthy? Right. He's
0: not in a good mental state. No. Uh, Mentally unhealthy Thor. Like, I don't know what his Enneagram wing is, but it's not great. Whatever it is. So. So they banter as they fight, like you do in a comic book, because you can't just have them fighting with no words. And she begins to explain that she is worthy by the words of the hammer itself. He counters by saying that the power of Thor belongs to Thor, to which she points out that he no longer is. Uh, which has to be a difficult thing to cope with identity-wise. The frost giants watch the fight for a few moments debating on whether or not they should let the two gods kill each other or intervene. Ultimately, they decide to try and squash the bickering pair themselves. Thor tells the Odin son that they should be fighting the giants together and that his rage has gotten the best of him. You know nothing of me, woman, the Odin son shouts. Are you certain of that? She counters. I did not ask for this. The hammer chose me. I am the goddess of thunder. Uh, they both lock onto the hammer and lightning explodes outward with the iconic Krakathoom. Mjoln- I thought you were going to say something.
1: It's a great sound
0: effect. It's the best. Krakathoom. Frequent through the Thor comics. Yeah. Mjolnir takes to the sky seemingly under its own conscious control. And systematically kills each frost giant. It's very similar to the pinging thing that we saw earlier—the pinball effect. Yeah. Odin's beard—I've never seen it do that before. Odin's son states with wonder, "The hammer returns to our new Thor, and Odin's son approaches her. The heat of battle in him now extinguished, he tells her that she has brought new life to the hammer, and that it had indeed chosen her." He then asks if she is his mother, to which she responds by taking his head into her hands and kissing him passionately.
1: Sure hope it's not his mother. though.
0: Yeah. Well, the next line. Still think I'm your mother, she asks. I certainly hope not, he replies. (laughs) More frost giants enter, and together they fight and triumph. Malaketh makes a dramatic exit, burning the Odin son's arm in the process. The pair of Thors threaten Dario <laughs> that he will face justice later, and then just gotta leave because <laughs> they have to go thaw out the various Asgardians and Frozen Avengers at the invasion site. Thor telling Odin's son, basically, we have more important things to do. We'll deal with him later.
1: He's also like on his own island? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be weird to arrest him. Maybe you could do it.
0: I don't know. Can Thor arrest people? Hmm. Good question. What's Thor's jurisdiction? Anyway,
1: we're not to God Cop Thor yet. So.
0: No, not yet. <laughs> Celestial Cop. The Odin son informs the assembly of gods and heroes that she was chosen by the hammer, and she is now Thor. She takes to the skies smiling as she embraces her new official title of Thor. So our final page. I skipped a lot there. So, but basically, they they defrost all the heroes. And have an exchange about who's really Thor, and it all boils down yeah. to that.
1: And basically, the <coughs> the existing Thor, the old Thor, yeah. son gives up the name, yeah. more or less.
0: Yeah. The final page shows us Roxxon Island again. The bodies of frost giants burning all over the courtyard. We see Dario and Malakath had schemed to trick the frost giants. It's really mostly Malaketh, but into believing that the skull was destroyed. I'm sorry, it was mostly Dario into believing that the skull was destroyed when it was actually safe all along. Dario had hidden it. Uh, They strike up a deal to conquer some realms together and our issue ends.
1: So now we have an alliance of Dark Elves, Frost Giants, and a Minotaur CEO. Uh
0: CEO Minotaur. That doesn't work. Trying to make it work with a Jeffrey Bezos song. but
1: Oh yeah. I don't think it works. So issue five opens with Odin complaining that a great crime has been committed, and vowing to find and punish the thief that stole Mjolnir. He asks his Omni Runes to reveal her, but they reveal only her current location. Fighting Crusher Creel, aka the absorbing man in Manhattan.
0: AKA boring villain.
1: Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. I don't honestly know that much about him, but he's a he's like a pretty Long time Thor enemy,
0: right? Yeah, I'm pretty but sure. he's he's very much like a street level thug, though. Yeah, going way way. Boring
1: back. and sexist. Yeah. Yes, as we are just about to find out, as we cut to the action here, Creel is incensed that he's supposed to call her Thor. Damn feminists are ruining everything. You <laughs> want to be a chick superhero? Fine, get your own identity. Uh, these complaints are all too familiar in your nerd culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so it's nice it's a nice meta touch here to see it acknowledged, you know, out of the mouth of a villain.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. fun too, because they wrote this before all the, like, like this was written before all the nerds started raging against the new Thor or maybe, maybe it was after the announcement, but uh, I feel like it was,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, they had to have expected it. Like this is post
0: yeah, Gamergate at least. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So
1: 2014, they knew it was coming. They They knew it was coming. Um, so as they fight, <laughs> it auto-corrected Creel to Creep, which is pretty good. Creep. So Creel slash Creep finally agrees to treat her like Thor, planning to throw the magic back at her once he absorbs uh, from Mjolnir. That's like part of his powers, he can absorb stuff. But as is quickly becoming a hallmark of our goddess of thunder, the hammer zips all around him in a crazy pattern, uh, and he can't quite catch hold of it. As Creel is distracted by the hammer, Thor knocks him flat and breaks his jaw with a good old left hook. It's, it's so good. That's a good panel, too. Um, yeah. At this point, Creel is joined by his wife, Titania. She's also shocked by female Thor. Not she, Thor, or Lady Deathstrike, she asks. Thor is Thor, Thor responds.
2: <laughs> so good. Like, yeah. I... Absolutely love that Jason Aaron was like, No, like this is not Lady Thor. Like this is Mm -hmm. Thor. This is
1: Thor. Just happens to be a woman. Thor is Thor. Titania then winds up her wrecking ball and knocks out her own husband. She says she doesn't want to fight a woman, Thor, and that the prison time will actually be good for their marriage, which is hilarious. (laughs) She's like, He gets a wandering eye if we're out too long. It's like, All right, okay, Titania. We cut back to the watching Odin, desperate to see Thor unmasked. Uh, Freya and the Odin son formerly known as Thor come in, asking Odin to leave the new Thor alone. Odin is incensed by the willfulness, his words, surrounding him. That's why he's called for outside help, his brother Kull Borson, god of fear, and his new royal inquisitor and minister of justice. Uh, the Odin son denounces him as a butcher and a madman, which Odin doesn't exactly deny. Yeah, he's just like, oh, well, it's fine. Cole's first task is to jail Odin's viziers that have failed to unmask the new Thor.
0: Little little fascist vibes coming from Odin in this one.
1: Uh, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he like big time sucks in this issue, and yeah, and we're not covering him, but like the issues after this, he also royally sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so the Odin son, formerly known as Thor. I'm gonna start that again.
0: You pause for laughter, he paused for laughter, listeners. <laughs>
1: I did not. Okay, I did.
0: <laughs> it worked.
1: I was trying to decide if I wanted to point out the actual parallel that I'm using there, where he's like, it's the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Odin son <laughs> formerly known as Thor.
0: <laughs> Explaining the joke makes it funnier. It does. <laughs> Also, oh, you'd already <laughs> said it. <laughs> this is true.
1: I've already said it once.
0: It's good. It was funny. I like uh, it. You should use it often. I like it. I'm I use it
1: every time because it's the best way to describe him. <laughs> I, I don't know. Something about just calling him the Odin son is like, or Odin son is weird.
0: Yeah, it's a lot.
1: So, anyways, uh, we see Thor and he's hoping to get a message to the new Thor somehow. Frey had asked him to do that, but he doesn't really know how. The only way that he can think of is to figure out who it is. So he starts on his list of suspects of who might be wielding the hammer. He starts in the Asgardian Royal Dining Hall, described as the largest bar in all the realms. He approaches the Lady Sif. However, considering that they were lovers just months ago, trying to figure out right now if she's the new Thor would require a good bit of care intact on the part of the Odin son not something that's really his strong suit no. <laughs> so where did I go uh predictably he ends up with a drink thrown in his face when Sif realizes he's only there because he's trying to figure out Thor's identity uh, here we also get a look at the list that the Odin son is working through which hilariously has Loki at the end which I mean come on it's it's very possible that it was Loki.
2: Uh-huh. impossible mean, but like unlikely that Mjolnir would consider Loki worthy yeah but, that's
1: that's really the biggest: point. but otherwise, point. Possible. No, otherwise well, very it's, possible
0: it's more funny because the list like these are all the women Thor knows which is not very many and one of them is his brother and it's just <laughs> it's just a good that joke sounds,
1: sounds right uh, on the moon Thor arrives to drop off Mjolnir and is met by Freya Freya is happy for Thor but warns her that trouble will come from Odin within and Malekith making alliances in the other realms. Frey counsels the new Thor that the name Thor is the true honor that she bears, and not to disgrace it. Thor says she will die first. As they finish talking, Frey asks how it feels to wield a hammer. How do you imagine it feels? Thor asks. I imagine it to be unimaginable. Not even close. Thor replies with a smirk and flies away. It's it's really good. This was a good, fun talk between Freya and Thor. Mm -hmm. Um, We need a quick glimpse here towards the end of the issue of the Odinson formerly known as Thor drunk and cursing the whispers of Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. We then end the issue back with a seething Odin who has had His viziers, his astrologists, his soothsayers all fail him. No one is able to figure out who the new Thor is. So Odin meets with Kolberson deep in the bowels of Asgardia, we're told. Still determined to get the hammer back, Odin counsels his brother against extreme measures before turning to his own extreme measure? Uh, The Destroyer, which he plans to
0: unleash. That's like odin's go-to though like that's just like but
1: i don't see how that's like not an extreme measure
0: oh no it 100 percent is i'm i'm agreeing with you i'm just saying like there's no odin doesn't have like a chill mode like let's just figure this out it's let's jump jump to the destroyer the destroyer destroyer
1: so uh if you've seen the first thor movie this is the big robot like thing that comes and attacks the town at the end of that movie
0: also made of uru i think i'm pretty sure
1: I mean, that would make sense. It's like nigh indestructible for yeah. sure. And it has a big laser face.
0: Mm-hmm. Odin wears it um, when he fights Surtur in Ragnarok. He wears the Destroyer armor.
1: Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, I don't think it's the same in the MCU. I feel like it's just, it's its own thing. Yeah, definitely. But it's, in this, it's like, you like pilot it, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it can be both in the MCU. But in, in the, yeah, or I'm sorry, in the comics. Um, gotcha. But yeah, in the MCU, it is definitely just a standalone sentinel.
1: Yeah, kind of does its own thing. So, and that's where we end this run of issues. So we still don't know, technically, from this run who who Thor is. Mm-hmm. Um, that but for any for any listeners that are going to read it, I definitely suggest reading the full eight issues. Yeah, we stopped here because it's split up into two different trades um but yeah there's like an AD issue run and you find out at the end of that who the new thor is
0: Mhm. so
1: which spoilers do you want to talk about now
0: we can talk about it listeners if you don't want to know if you want to read it and you want to just skip And ahead, if you
1: haven't listened to any of our past podcasts where we openly talked about
0: you know, it, we definitely <laughs> wrote it already if you don't remember that and you don't want to know skip ahead dun,
1: dun, dun, dun. it's jane
0: it's Jane.
2: Our deep dive was a pretty big clue, guys.
0: Yeah, that too. <laughs> just thought you just want to talk about Jane. We're
2: like, you should definitely know who Jane Foster is, even though she doesn't come up in any of these issues. She, yeah,
0: That's she fun. doesn't
1: come up in these issues really at all. Yeah.
0: Okay. She was in, if, if you're reading straight through from the previous run we did, and you read the two in between, where this starts, um, and Original Sin, she's in all three of those. Okay. Quite a lot. Right.
1: And then she. I just meant she's
2: not in the issues we actually have. Yeah, covered. definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: So I also like I finished and read out the eight issues of this, and she is in. I think she's in the very next issue. Mm-hmm. Like you see her sick yeah. in Asgardia or whatever, Um mm-hmm. or in Brox. I think she's in Broxton. Bronx,
0: she's in Broxton, Broxton,
1: um,
0: fictional Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, because <clears throat> I think Thor is. Yeah, Thor visits her to see if it could be her, and she's so sickly that he's just like, nope, not her. So
0: wait. But it ends. I said Broxton is fictional. Broxton's actually real, isn't it?
1: I think Broxton is real.
0: It is real. I'm an idiot. Sorry. I okay. apologize. Broxton listeners. You do exist.
1: Um. We also kind of danced around what Thor had been told, mm, which an, we do. In Original
0: know. Sin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When he's whispered by Nick Fury, which we've talked about before because it definitely touches on what we covered before.
0: Yeah, we have talked about it. That's correct. Um, So, listeners, if you don't remember what that was and you want to read originals, well, if you want to read a bunch of stuff leading up to Secret Wars.
1: Or if you just want to keep the mystery of this and get
0: it as you read to it. Don't listen to this part either. But what he is told is that Gore was right, which is something that, if you remember from our last episode, he wrestled with consistently through the whole thing. I'm wondering if he should even fight Gore because maybe Gore is correct, that the gods are not needed. Um, And so, upon hearing that, realizing that he had... You know, his purposes, I mean, well, all the gods' purposes is really for nothing. Um, it strips him of his power. It becomes unworthy, and they're on the moon, so that's where it lands.
2: Yeah. And then it calls out to Jane. Mm-hmm. Because another thing that you would learn in some issues that we are not covering is that Mjolnir is sentient.
1: Yes. We definitely get hints of it here, right? Yeah. Where it's like... It's kind of guiding her Mm -hmm. and a little bit talking to her. Interesting.
2: Right. But yeah, I think it's in issue 12. Okay. Uh, There's like a kind of deep dive into Mjolnir. And because there's um, a scene where Mjolnir like takes the form of Jane Foster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Convince
2: someone that Thor is not Jane Foster. And and Thor Jane is really freaked out. <laughs> I was like, How how did that happen? Um and it happens because the hammer is sentient and can take mm-hmm. other forms as it wishes,
1: apparently interesting
0: yeah it's one of those things where it's like they can kind of say oh yeah well it's always been sentient like look at how it's how powerful it's been or whatever but they can also kind of do a hand wavy comic thing that's like well you know the magic sort of just like grew or whatever yeah
2: yeah so it's like the uh, mjolnir contains the god tempest the mother of thunder hmm. that's how it gets put
0: that's, That's awesome explanation. <laughs> Sounds like a Dragon Sponge. Force album. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So
1: any other like big thoughts takeaways from this?
0: Uh, I enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah. I liked it a great deal. I think that they should have gone with um this version of Thor for longer. And I guess they really did. They went She was Thor through up until Secret Wars, and so that was what 2014 until 2020 No, 2018. Something like that? 2019? It's like four or five years. Yeah. So it was a good good long time, but it doesn't feel like it was long enough. I feel like it could have gone on. Because it's not like Odin's son Thor wasn't getting any, like, he had his own run a couple of times in there. He's, It allowed them to exp- explore his character a lot more on what he is without like his power. Yeah. And so he basically becomes like best bros with Hyperion, and they become like god brothers is what they call each other and they just go bro around like doing hero stuff and it's great it's fantastic like stuff that sounds awesome it's so good and it's it's really i don't know if it's still going on i'm not caught up on modern thor but i don't think it's going on anymore because i think they're doing some other stuff with, with with hyperion um because everything now in marvel is shaped to like mirror the movies when before it wasn't necessarily that yeah um which is kind of a beef i want to talk about at some point on here um but not not right now Anyway, I feel like they could have let her, they could have let Jane ride for a lot longer and just explore the human side of Thor.
1: Yeah.
2: This was my introduction to Marvel comic books. These That's issues. Good introduction. I had read, read nothing. <laughs> like, That's awesome. And so, yeah. It's a good place to start. It was fun to revisit them. I really loved them. I still do. But... um I mean, I talked about it during the recap, but I just, I do really appreciate that, like, they don't try to make her like Lady Thor, right? It's like, no, she yeah. is Thor. Like, that's that's who she is. Uh,
1: yeah. So this, the um, the first eight issues, which is like the Who Wields the Hammer, Who is this new Thor, arc. It split up into two trade paperbacks. Well, that means just three issues are in the, the second one, right? So in this other one, they put a couple extra things. They put a Thor annual, and then they put an old from, like, 1978 issue of What If. That's What If Jane Foster Found <laughs> the Hammer. And so it's, like, the original thing from then. And it is it is a time capsule. it's a time capsule but she so she's not just thor when she wields a hammer she's like i think it's thordis is what they call it yeah thordis
0: it's bad thordis like tortoise
1: uh thor d-i-s thordis so it does kind of sound like thordis thordis Thordis. Thordis.
0: okay well so the big thing that was going on with Marvel at the time that this came out was they had introduced um, Sam Wilson as Captain America. And he was – the the big push was like Thor is Thor, Cap is Cap. Um, yeah. Right. Spider-Man is Spider-Man because they had Miles and they had Spider-Man at the time. Um, the Ultimate thing was – the Ultimate Universe was still going on, but they were – that was a big deal as people were like, what? Who's this? Um, yeah. And they didn't want him to be called like Black Spider-Man or anything. They wanted him to just right. be Spider-Man. He was just Spider-Man. Um, and then – uh spider woman which they didn't do gwen stacy any favors by calling it spider gwen when they wanted her to be spider woman um and then the it's other It's also one,
1: confusing because there's a separate i don't remember there's if there's a, a separate spider, spider, spider woman
0: jessica drew yeah okay
1: there's also like spider girl
0: spider girl and silk um there's yeah. that's a whole spider versus mess we should cover that it's fun yeah um and then also amadeus cho was hulk like became hulk and they were like no he's hulk now And so they just kind of like moved the titles around and it it made a lot of people angry, but the storytelling was really good. So at least I think it was good. I mean, there's people that would argue with me, but I think it was all handled really well.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. Like this story was awesome. Mm -hmm. So,
2: Yeah. One of the things that I think is fun about like this Thor run, um, and I feel like you, I mean, you get some of that maybe with the others, but I think like maybe it's because Mjolnir is sentient, right? um but there's this idea that like part of thor's personality is being thor (laughs) like yeah but like that is also part of the mantle that gets passed on is that like a snarky mocking of the enemies Uh, because chain takes that on too and there's a there's a bravado like a bravado
0: that comes with the hammer and maybe that's yeah. the hammer. Maybe that's part of the hammer itself is the influence is like, you're just like of yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, how much did it hurt see. when Thor punched you? Was it more or less than this?
2: Yeah. Damn. Like actually your children will be better off without you. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. That's
0: great. <laughs> yeah. I was, Well,
2: one of the things that, um, i oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I mean, I'm kind of moving on to a slightly
0: that's different fine. topic. Go ahead. So was okay. I,
2: um, one of the things that we didn't get to in these issues and that I will wind up skipping a lot of that I think winds up being a really moving part of the story is that uh, taking on the mantle of Thor is actually killing Jane. Oh, we're uh, skipping because, over that? Well, we said we would do. No, no, no. I mean, like, I didn't, five, I didn't realize it wasn't. And eight.
0: then I thought it came up later. I didn't realize it came up. In the
2: next it's one. like it comes up in um fairly quickly okay Sorry yeah
1: because it's on her reveal splash page which is like issue eight mm-hmm. it says like she loves being thor even though it's killing her oh, it doesn't explain right. that that's right but that. i would assume it like picks up like right from there yep that's right yeah
2: so the mighty thor picks up with that but we're gonna kind of skip to the end of that run we mm-hmm. had decided so yeah, yeah, um for sure but so she has cancer. She's undergoing chemotherapy and it's working, except that whenever she picks up the hammer, it like purges all of that from her body because it's poison. Right. Um. And so whenever she reverts back to being Jane Foster, it's like she hasn't done chemo. Mm-hmm. And there's this really really gorgeous panel. I don't remember now what issue it's in. Uh, I mean, it made me cry, honestly, the first time I saw it, where she's mid-transformation. And so, like, she's Jane Foster. You see Jane Foster um, looking sunken and weak and, you know, hurt. She's wearing a headscarf because she's gone bald. And then you see... Thor, sort of around her, uh, wow. with this like flowing blonde hair and all of her strength, and I mean, it's just incredible artwork. Um, yeah. Like that one panel tells such a story, all on its own. Uh, just incredible. I
0: love it. It's
2: very good. It does get resolved, obviously, but uh, but it's a pretty important part of her journey for a while that she's willing to do it even at great personal cost.
1: Yeah. And that's part of like why she's worthy. Right. Being part of it. Well, there's
2: also a scene where she takes one of her fellow chemotherapy patients who is dying, uh, like for a ride with Mjolnir Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it shows them like traveling and like going over water. And then it shows her like standing at her grave later. It's pretty Uh gutting.
0: Side note, we're not covering this like we talk about, but like in He Who Holds the Hammer, I'm sorry, in Who Holds the Hammer, uh, the variant cover, it's one of my favorite um, like covers of variants that for this whole set. And it also has like kind of a little joke in the middle of it where like you have all these women. It's all the powerful women of the Thor series. Um, like you have literally everybody, Sif, um, yeah. Freya, um, Hela, all of them. And then Jane's there. But then also right in the middle is Loki nice. <laughs> pointing at himself looking confused.
1: So that is because we're not covering it. We'll get into it. Mm-hmm. That is a part with the destroyer. Like all the women, the Odin son, and all the the women from Asgard come and help Thor with it, and it's it's pretty great, and epic. And they finally shame Odin enough that he uh, stands down for the time being.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, the other part that I was going to talk to you guys about, because I didn't get to bring it up earlier, because I didn't want to break your flow, but the mercenaries that killed um, Dario's parents, like the fact that he's keeping all their heads alive, oh yeah, um, is just dark. It's so dark. Yeah. So, listeners, he he just kind of, what'd you say?
2: Oh, definitely playing into that, like, psychopath.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. We won't get into it, listeners, because we're not going to cover it, but like, Dario has these mercenary heads just alive on pedestals in his, like, art room, it looks like.
1: Yeah, some kind of, like, display room. Mm. He just, like, has kept them alive.
0: And Malekith's like, hmm, this looks expensive. (laughs) And he's just like, it is. Uh,
1: Yeah, Malekith actually makes me laugh a lot.
0: Yeah, I wasn't trying to say he's a bad villain. I was just trying to say, like, he's a very, like, two-dimensional villain.
1: I mean, he definitely is that. 100%. He's not complex at all.
0: But he's funny. Yeah.
2: He is funny.
1: Definitely wish they'd gone that route in the MCU as opposed to, like, generic evil villain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of the Dark Elves. Christopher Eccleston has range, too. They could have.
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely could have done it. If he'd played that, like, the Ninth Doctor.
0: hmm Come on. Just evil Doctor Who. That'd be fun. Been real fun. Also, uh, we talked about this through text, but... Thor looks like uh, Sheridan's brother Nathan in this whole run. Just yeah. looks like he modeled for it.
1: Yeah, there's one panel in particular oh where it God. is like it it's looks like it's just, just Nathan. Like yeah, he's like he's
2: also like making a face my brother
1: makes. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: part of it. Like you're like that looks just like Nathan because that is also an expression Nathan makes.
1: <laughs> I have seen him make that face.
2: Right. Yeah. he he does look a lot like my brother (laughs) that's wrong
0: that's great do you guys have any other thoughts or anything you want to add before we uh sign off I don't think so
1: well I'd written right in there like I'm not sure like how much of this as it was ongoing was like played up the mystery element it kind of seems like it does Um, in reading it but
0: so at the time I remember because I was reading this as they came out everybody kind of figured it was Jane yeah but like Marvel was really leaning into the mystery and trying to give you like, oh, it could be any of these women.
1: Yeah, there are definitely like hints early on. It's like they try and make you think it's could be Freya. Mm-hmm. So
0: well, yeah. and the the run right before this um, makes a big deal of showing how like how messed up chemo is making Jane, um, and okay. so like they really and then they don't talk about her for a long time. Yeah, um, other than like Thor just casually mentioning she has cancer. So they were, I mean, they were trying, and it was. I don't remember being yeah, in shock. As people much kind as... of already knew. Yeah. People kind of guessed.
1: That makes sense. It also, like, timing-wise, like, the f- at least the first Thor movie was already out. Maybe the first two. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, like, having her be in that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and being played by Matt- Natalie Portman, no less, kind of, mm-hmm. I think, would tip people off, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of Thor movies, uh, have you guys seen how jacked she looks? Yeah. N- Natalie Portman? She got she oh. got guns now. It's awesome. Yeah, I was like, "Holy cow, Natalie!" I'm hitting them Hemsworth I'm, steroids. I'm
1: pretty stoked for Love and Thunder. I am too. I
0: cannot wait.
1: Yeah.
0: I got really mad today because YouTube uh, recommended it said uh, first official teaser trailer for Love and Thunder, and I was like, "Yes!" Yeah, and, and it wasn't. No, it was one of those ones where like fans like crop a bunch of videos of other things together to make it Damn. look like one, and. Uh a couple of the movies I hadn't seen before. And so I was like, is this, huh? And then like, I, I saw some scenes no. from dark world and I got really angry. So love it that it looks fun though. It looks like it's going to be really good. Yeah.
2: Oh, I cannot wait. I love Ragnarok so much and I love this run and I'm super excited. I also feel <laughs> like, I've probably said this before because, um, but like, I frequently think that like, it's been longer than it has been since this was announced.
1: Yes. Yeah. When it feels like, like it was announced I've like six years I've been waiting on Love ago. and
2: Thunder for like six years. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it, no. I mean, it Just really does like feel 2019?
0: like they announced it like the day Ragnarok launched. Like, it feels like it's <laughs> been that long. I know it hasn't, but it feels like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. agree. It definitely, yeah but it's also like the only one that i feel that way about of the mcu movies i think
0: yeah i agree with that like i don't know
1: because it also still feels like it's it's not till like next fall right
0: Mm -hmm. that's still yeah i mean
2: it has gotten pushed back yeah because of the pandemic but stupid
1: pandemic (laughs) stupid COVID. join us next time as we jump to the end of this jane foster thor run and read volume five of mighty thor
2: oh you can find us on instagram at amateurs symbol pod on twitter at the assemble pod and you can send in questions and comments to amateursassemblepod pod at gmail.com you, you can
0: should find send
2: us questions and comments so that we can reply to them in our cold open
0: please yeah. do like send us stuff we have listeners send us things like i promise you'll get on the show if you do <laughs> Unless it's just horrible, so maybe I don't promise it. But still, so you can find us on radio.com where we have other shows like Black Mesa Radio and Moms Who Wine. You could find us on you can find us on Apple Podcasts uh, and Google Podcasts, as well as Stitcher and anywhere where you aggregate your podcasts from. Because we're trying to be in all the places. Anything else?
1: I think that's it. All right amateurs disperse bye
0: Yarn, okay. You're gonna have to say it for me, Seth, because you said it before. Yarnborn.
1: Maybe it is yarnborn. yarn.
0: Yarn 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 yarn. I
1: think I said Jamjordan.
0: Jamjoin. I don't think it's Jamjordan.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's Jamjordan
0: either. It's not an M. It's legendary axe, yum, yum. <laughs> His legendary axe,
1: yarn yarn. Yarn yarn.
0: His legendary axe. Yum, Yarn His legendary <laughs> axe. Okay. Okay.